What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we're gonna talk about Netflix, review the company's 2019 financials, and then talk about the company's strategy for 2020 and how that all fares in the wake of the streaming wars. This is the first quarter the company reported financials since Disney Plus launched. Um, I just got off the conference call, which you can actually watch on YouTube. It happened last week. I'd recommend checking it out. Really cool how Netflix um, posts a YouTube video of their earnings calls, um, but they have released their shareholder letter, a ton of interesting data, and Netflix is at a very fascinating sort of inflection point in the business. Business. Um, 2019 was the peak sort of loss of cash flow. Um, now they're going to start using more and more of those, you know, streaming revenue to actually fund their internal content ambitions. Um, now they've gone from over spending 50% of their money on licensing content to spending on original content. This comes just as every single big legacy media company is launching a competing streaming service. I mean, this is really the rubber meets the road moment for Netflix, a true test like they've never had before. Um, so I think this is just a fascinating story I've been following here on the channel. I personally don't really have a strong opinion. I don't own Netflix stock or any company in this space, I, although I am kind of bullish long-term on the opportunity of streaming and, and content in the in the digital con digitally connected world, but um, I think Netflix has some serious challenges ahead, and I want to dive into those with you in this video. So welcome to my laptop world. Today we're looking at the shareholder letter for Netflix released on January 21st, 2020. Um, they put these out every quarter, super detailed. Netflix does an awesome job with their investor relations. Um, just take a look at the results here. We're looking at revenue of about $5.5 uh, dollars up about 31% for the year positive operating income of 459 million but that is very misleading because they do lose a lot of money um, on other parts of the the financial statements because they're investing so much on content despite the fact their income statement shows a profit so we're gonna get to more of that in a second um, the company did show earnings per share of a dollar 30 um, the biggest number to watch that I like to look at for Netflix is how many streaming memberships do they have you know how many customers are paying them for their service the most important core metric for health of their business um, like I said first quarter since Disney plus launch here in the US so interesting to see how this unfolded. They still were able to grow that number 20%, although they do have that slowing to about 16.9% for their Q1 2020 uh, forecast, which I think is interesting. Pretty dramatic slowdown in the past year from 26, 25% growth of that subscriber base down to the mid-teen percentage. And if we see on a net ads basis, how many net users they're expecting to add in Q1, about 7 million, which is less than almost 9 million in Q4, and significantly less than that 9.6 million in Q1 2019. Now, this is the very interesting part of the business net cash used in operating activities as you can see significantly negative basically how much money the core business is spending um, the way this works it's a little bit of a tricky accounting game here is they're spending all this money up front to produce all this content and shows but then they amortize the expenses of that content over time um, as sort of the useful life of that content plays out let's say you produce a big show uh, like friends for example or seinfeld i mean these shows they cost a ton of money up front to produce, but then you get years and years worth of revenue and value from those contents, and so they amortize those expenses over time. So Netflix has to spend billions of dollars up front on its content library. Um, that's why their cash flow is so weak, yet their earnings on their income statement appear so positive. So Netflix, this is a huge quarter. They lost $1.46 in operating activities, $1.7 in overall negative free cash flow. So the business is burning tremendous amounts of capital. Um, if we go into the Q4 results and forecast in Q4, paid memberships to 21%. Average revenue per user, ARPU, increased 9% year-over-year. That's mostly due to them raising prices. Would have risen about 12% if you excluded that impact of foreign currency. So I think that's pretty interesting. Solid uh, trend there. But then you get to the point of how long is Netflix going to be able to raise prices? I mean, uh, Disney Plus is coming in, undercutting them on price. Um, we have Hulu that also undercuts them on price. Additionally, we have this new streaming service from Comcast, NBC Universal, called Peacock, which is going to be launching in mid-2020. We're just going to have a free tier. They're going to have a 
$4.99 tier with some ads, and they're going to have a $9.99 tier with no ads. So a ton of streaming services are coming online, not only coming online, but with a lower price point than Netflix. And so up until this point, Netflix really hasn't had much competition um, for the streaming service. So I think their ability to raise prices is very much in question here uh, going forward. And that has been a key driver of their revenue growth. So I think that's really interesting. But then on the flip side, I always think back of how much were people paying on their cable bill? Probably 60 to 70 bucks a month for cable. So you could still pay 20, you know, Netflix, what is it? 14, 15 bucks for a premium HD service. Now they could raise that to 20. You could still spend 10 bucks on Disney plus 10 bucks on ESPN, 10 bucks on Hulu. We're still looking at 50 bucks a month, which is less than you would have paid for cable for probably a much better offering with no ads content when you want it. So I think um, overall, what's fascinating about the streaming war is getting a little bit sidetracked here is the value that what we're getting, what you and me are getting for our money is amazing. There's like a mass and deflationary pressure on the pricing for these content companies. I mean, we're paying less money to get better content with no ads. I mean, if linear TV in a 30 minute uh, TV show has like five minutes of ads, which is absurd because you're also paying for the cable package, which is 60 to 70 bucks a month. Imagine, you know, it's just a it's night and day difference in terms of the quality for consumers. So in many ways, we are the winners of the streaming wars, which I think is awesome. Anyway, moving back to this letter, this is a really interesting chart that Netflix always has. Basically shows the cumulative subscriber growth over time for the year. As you can see, they every single year, they were adding more and more subscribers consistently than the year before, 2016, 2017, 2018, more and more. Then in 2019, they actually fell behind, adding only about 28 million versus you know uh, 29 million in 2018. So they added less net subscribers in 2019 than 2018. I think that's just to do the fact that the business was hitting maturity in the US. Um, but 2020, as you can see, even more sort of in the middle of the road here, um, a weaker forecast. And so this is kind of a worrisome trend for Netflix because I think, you know, yes, the US is maturing, but internationally, they should have a huge runway for growth. Um, yet that is not helping the overall subscriber net edition numbers. They do talk a lot about what sort of content they're releasing, how that's going there. One thing I did want to highlight here is the uh, launch of The Witch which also has been blown up on Twitter. They even had Elon Musk wanting to integrate some sort of Witcher game into Teslas, which I thought was cool. But this has been the biggest uh, season one TV series ever for Netflix. Um, the, through its first four weeks release, 76 million member households chose to watch this action-packed fantasy. So that's pretty impressive to see Netflix keep pumping out these original content hits. I think that's a really, really encouraging sign for the core health of the business. Another interesting thing here, Across both film and TV, we were encouraged for being uh, the home for storytellers and creators from many diverse backgrounds. We're honored to lead the industry in nominations at both the NAACP Image Awards, 42 nominations, and the GLAAD Media Awards, 15 nominations. So this is something that they talked about significantly on their conference call. Netflix is really proud of the fact that their uh, movies are not only extremely popular with their audiences, but are streaming or receiving very good critical acclaim from critics. And this is good because, you know, if a, a movie gets awarded, more they're going to want to watch it. It, it sort of uh, is a testament to the ability for Netflix's internal content team to produce some of the best quality content in the world. Remember, Net Netflix a few years ago was licensing every single thing on their platform. Now they're actually producing their own shows. That's a massive behind the scenes business model transition. You may not have noticed very much as a consumer, but from a difficulty level as a company, uh, you know, becoming a world-class studio Hollywood-esque type company to produce this content and be critically acclaimed is very difficult. And what they were talking about on the conference calls, this is what they're not only critically acclaimed, but these are shows that people love too, that are extremely popular. You know, unlike sometimes when you see like this movie that's critically acclaimed, wins all these awards, but like nobody actually wants to watch it in theaters. That's not what Netflix is doing. And the CEO Reed Hastings on the conference call also adds that 
This is what um, will help Netflix get top talent. This will help Netflix secure the best creators in the world, which helps the business long term of saying, look, we're not only going to get millions of people to watch your show, we're going to get you help you win all of these awards. And so I think this is a really cool sort of growing up moment for Netflix to see them win all of these critically acclaimed awards in the media industry. But the flip side of that is, and sort of the gist of this video is, I'm realizing Netflix is less and less a technology company, more and more of just a media content creation company, and that has been their focus of their conference call and what they're trying to do. And we think about the valuation, the implications, the disruptive potential of just being a media content company versus being a technology company. Um, I think that's sort of the struggle that investors are, are dealing with right now to, to try and understand how to perceive and value Netflix going forward. This is a cool Google Trends chart here about The Witcher, versus The Mandalorian, The Morning Show, and Jack Ryan, a bunch of other flagship shows from other uh, content companies they're competing with. As you can see, despite The Mandalorian being like the it show of the moment, or so it seemed, Baby Yoda memes taken over Instagram, uh, The Witcher has actually performed way better in terms of Google Trends data. I mean, 76 million households seeing that uh, content is incredible. So this is pretty impressive stuff for Netflix to actually outdo Disney in terms of internet sort of hype according to Google Trends based on their hit show. And now this is the part that gets exciting that I'm interested in, cash flow and capital structure. In Q4, net cash use in operating activities was negative 1.5 billion versus 1.25 billion in the previous year. Free cash flow in Q4 totaled 1.7 billion versus 1.3 billion. For the full year, free cash flow was negative 3.3 billion, which is we believe is our peak annual free cash flow deficit. This is the most important thing about Netflix's business model. Um, here, here's the next part piece of it. Our plan is to continually improve free cash flow each year and move to slowly towards free cash flow positive. For 2020, we currently forecast free cash flow approximately 2.5 billion. Remember, that's versus 3.3 billion last year, so they're losing less money. Along the way, we'll continue to use debt market to finance our investment needs as we did in Q4. We raised a billion dollars um, and another billion dollar note due in 2030. With our free cash flow profile improving, this means that over time, we'll be less reliant on public markets. We'll be able to fund more of our investment needs organically through our growing operating profits. So this is a fascinating turning point in Netflix's business um, because Netflix up until this moment has been spending more and more each year on content. I want to jump really quickly over to hypercharts here. We're going to annual view. I'm going to get more into the hypercharts in a second, but I just want to show this one chart here, operating cash flow. This is basically the same numbers Netflix is talking about charted. As you can see over time, we see a huge, huge increase, you know, almost $3 billion in operating cash flow lost up from 2.6, uh, 1.8, 1.5. So they were just spending more and more money on original content investing like crazy, but they're basically saying this is the peak. This is the worst. It's going to start trending back up like this towards positive free cash flow in the future. And I think this is a huge sign for Netflix on the conference call. Reed Hastings was specifically mentioning how this is such a big, important milestone for Netflix going forward. The fact that the company has reached this new level of growth, they're not stopping spending on content. They're continually growing their content spend across the board in every category. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that now... Um, they have to lose less and less money. They're not relying on the capital markets because those streaming uh, revenues, their operating profits from you paying them subscription fees is finally enough to start subsidizing enough of that content spend to where it will go down. So this is, it couldn't be better time for Netflix for them to start going more towards profitability because if they weren't, um, you know, you're in serious trouble because Disney, all this competition is coming. I think Netflix needs to start getting their business model in order. This is the biggest reason I don't own the stock right now is that the business is bleeding billions and billions of dollars and that they say that's going to reverse, but it will take years for them to get to free cash flow positivity. And think about it. If you start to get, uh, you know, a churn in your U.S. user base and people start to drop off for Disney Plus and all these other services, you know, I don't know, this operating cash flow reversal story could seriously be in jeopardy.
So now let's go back to hypercharts. I want to go to the quarterly view really quickly. This is, um, like I talked about, the churn. That brings me to my, my next point. Will Netflix be able to continue growing its user base in the wake of this competition? That is the biggest question. That's something I don't know and why I'm not too, you know, I don't have a strong opinion on Netflix stock. Um, but so the international membership, let's just start with that explosive growth here in the international segment of Netflix. They are going to change, they are changing their reporting a little bit. So they're breaking down the international into different categories. They're lumping the U.S. with Canada, maybe to hide the deceleration U.S. business, but that's another story. But as you can see, the growth in streaming has been very impressive, up to over 106 million members from 97 million the previous quarter. I mean, huge growth at 81 million in Q4, 106 million. So this is a number that I would expect to go rapidly for Netflix. And although it looks huge and it's a much bigger chunk of Netflix's business um, than US already, I think we're just getting started. I mean, 106 million members, this could scale to a billion members in the next decade, another 10X in Netflix's international overall subscriber base. So I think this is the real story of Netflix now. They've figured out the US. Um, the US is actually over a 50% household penetration of Netflix streaming memberships. I mean, look at this. The Netflix in the U.S. has 61 million memberships. That There's only 330 million people in the U.S. There's not that many households. This is over 50% of households in the U.S. have a Netflix account. That's not even counting the amount of people that share passwords. I mean, I don't have a Netflix account. I use my roommate Leo's accounts. Don't tell Reed Hastings. But anyway, the point is, uh, the penetration in the U.S. has been incredible. Almost literally everyone that could have Netflix has Netflix. So, when I'm looking at this chart, the other key trend to look at is clear deceleration, clear flatlining of this trend. Um, 61 million up from 60.26 6 million. I mean, we've barely, they're still growing in the US, but barely, barely, barely. And there's no doubt in my mind, this is from a combination of market saturation, but competition is coming. And um, if this number starts to drop or flatline, I think Netflix could seriously be in trouble. So this is something I'm watching very closely. Will Netflix be able to maintain this micro growth in its US subscriber base or will it actually decline? Because if it declines, I think this whole growth story falls apart. And that is the overall thesis, which is sort of the biggest risk to Netflix, is um, they need to keep their massive streaming inflow capital growing because they need to be able to subsidize this massive content business that requires economies of scale. They need tens of billion, they need a 10 or 15, $20 billion a year content budget to compete with Amazon, Apple, Disney, all of these other companies. And they can only subsidize that if they have huge scale and hundreds of millions of subscribers. So if the subscribers start to trickle down, they're going to have to cut back on their content spend or raise more debt. And then the whole kind of house of cards crumbles. And so Netflix is one of those businesses that I think either goes all the way and continues growing and hits the certain amount of scale where they're pumping out billions per year and they can fund all their content ambitions or they just never get big enough to be able to fund the amount of content they need to survive on their own and that's why this u.s streaming number is so so important so um very interesting sort of inflection point for netflix right now now let's switch to an annual view because i want to take a look at the valuation of the company right now we're looking at about 153 billion dollar market cap actually let's just take a look at the stock price over five years i think this is pretty interesting you know soaring stock price to over 400 dollars a share and then it's sort of taken a hit as disney you know all the hype of the competition was happening now it's back up netflix trading about 153 billion dollar valuation um you know their earnings they're gonna say are positive if we go to annual earnings uh you know they do have positive earnings here of 2.6 billion in the last year okay we're looking at a p ratio of like what 60.55 based on the price EBIT of, of 2019. But once again, that's not actually real earnings. I'm actually making that much money. That's the one tricky thing about Netflix's business. They did about 20 billion in revenue in 2019. So 153 billion. Uh, we can do some quick math here. 7.7 times 2019 sales. The growth rate on that number, uh, you know, 27%, 28%. So we're looking at 7.7 .7 times trading sales, growing at 28%. 
okay, that looks pretty decent, pretty high price, pricing in a very high quality business. But is this a high quality business? Because they're losing billions of dollars. I would say if this business was at least break even on the cusp of pumping out billions of dollars, that would make more sense to me. If they could sustain this 20, 25% growth rate, that would make sense to me. But I'm not convinced they will be able to sustain this growth rate. If we go back to the shareholder letter to look at their guidance here, they are guiding for 27% growth, 26.8% growth year over year in Q1. But once again, a lot of that's going to be towards you know raising prices. They're still only growing their user base at 16.9% and slowing. And so there's a lot of things to consider right now with Netflix. But I think this valuation prices in a certain level of success that I'm just really not comfortable with as an investor because I think there's so many uncertainties and headwinds. But then on the flip side, the long-term management is sticking to their story here of, look, what happened when cable started taking off? Every network won. There was a huge white space opportunity. It's not just like Netflix versus Disney Plus. It's Netflix and Disney Plus versus all of the cable complex, which is still a huge runway to just decline and funnel subscribers into the streaming world. So that that is really the bet you're taking here. Um, and I think in the long term, there's going to be a new oligopoly that's going to form. Much like cable networks had an oligopoly, I think we're going to see streaming networks have an oligopoly where it's going to be Netflix, maybe Disney+, Plus, maybe Hulu all survive and win. But the question is how big are those companies and which are the companies that do win? So anyway, this is my wrap up of Netflix's um, quarter. I think we're at a very interesting inflection point. If they can really start scaling back their spending, start turning around that free cash flow, I think the story starts to make a lot of sense here. And that all relies on keeping U.S. subscribers. Can they maintain those U.S. subscribers? Can they keep up the international growth despite all these headwinds? We will see. Would love to know what you think in the comments below about these results. Um, please leave it. And yeah, I'll try and respond to as many comments as I can. Huge shout out to our Patreon supporters, producers, fun in the channel. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.